This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers. And this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And this is a Hack the Craft episode without video. Kind of sort of a Hack the Craft episode. We are leading into what's going to be um, a short series where there will be video, but this is just sort of the intro portion of it. Right, Taylor? That is correct. So the topic today and subsequent uh, weeks, we don't know exactly how long this is going to stretch out for, is dialogue in fiction. We have discussed dialogue on multiple shows before, but we've always hit it sort of here and there based on questions that we received or particular things we were struggling with or little hacks here and there. We've never actually gone back and covered it from the beginning. And One of the projects that Steve and I have talked about quite a bit uh, over the the last couple of years is the book that he's been working on. And he has very patiently waited on me because I've I've offered to to work with him on it, uh, to to coach him and everything on and and to to help show him how to line edit the work. And one of the, um, the issues that he and I have discussed before is his dialogue. And so recently he turned into me his finished manuscript and I've now having finished Liar's Paragraphs, pa- <laughs> Liar's <laughs> Legacy, sorry, <laughs> words. I've now finally had a chance to start looking at it in earnest. And I, I recently completed the first chapter and it's provided all kinds of material for teaching about the craft. Thankfully, Steve is game enough to let us use his material and and such. So um, this first episode here is going to be a little bit like a coaching session. Uh, Steve, and, Steve has not seen the material that I have sent back to him. So but what I, I did see is the email that she sent that was like 19 pages of like, don't hate me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's a lot of don't hate me, that's for sure. Not quite 19 pages. Um, I was letting him know what, what I had done to it. And see, because of the relationship that Steve and I have, we have a really good working relationship, I'm able to do more on his material than I would normally do to any other material sent in. First of all, because I have uh, the entire story to work with, which is something I just cannot do. Um, in general for for the show or for any other pieces that are sent in. And secondly, because he wants me to do this. So it's not like I'm worrying about offending him or stepping on his toes. It's a very trusting relationship back and forth between him and I that he knows that anything I do is because I love him and I want this to be good and I'm not trying to make him feel bad or, or point out his flaws or writing flaws or anything like that. So Steve has not actually seen this material. I, um, I really worked over this first chapter and <laughs> the thing that I, I felt needed the most work in his writing, um, 
was dialogue. But dialogue is something that he and I have discussed before. And I know that Steve would not have sent me this material if he hadn't thought that the dialogue was where it needed to be. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and um, just see where that goes. And, and I have a little bit of teaching material that I've assembled based on what I saw in this document that we're going to talk about. And it's going to line us up for the coming shows where we're actually going to look at what his material was when he sent it to me and the changes that I made and why. So, Steve, you know I want to help you to be the strongest writer that you can, just like I want to help everybody who comes to me with questions. And we've talked about dialogue before, and you know that you struggle with it. And I want to know, in your opinion, what it is that you think you struggle with most in crafting your dialogue. Well, you know, that's an interesting question. We, this has been a point of teaching between you and I for a period of time. And I feel like I'm getting better, and I actually felt like this was better. And I, I think what I tend to struggle with, and this is something that I'm really having a hard time getting over, is the directness with which I say things rather than alluding to things or... Uh, I get, it feels right in my mind, this conversation that's happening, and it sounds right when I say it, when I speak it out loud, but I'm guessing that that's what a lot of this is, is that it's just too direct, too on the nose, too, you know, whatever the terminology is. I, I think that's probably my biggest struggle, although I felt like maybe this was a little bit better. I don't know. I think... I think you did tone down the directness. I, I did think that. I think that maybe there was not enough interplay between the characters. And in that sense, it felt too direct. And so in thinking of that, um, this is like, you know, I figure right, stuff so out let's, myself. Let me, let me ask you a question. What do you mean okay. by interplay? Well, that's what I'm getting to. Okay. I figure this stuff out by like typing it out. That that's how I clarify I clarify my own thoughts in writing. Trying to like I feel it on instinct, something's not right here. I know how to fix it on instinct, but trying to explain why, that's where I have to sort of write it out. So I I put together these notes that they will be available in PDF form on Patreon for the patrons who are at the Hack the Craft level. Um, where That's where I've been putting all the notes. They hopefully will be available in some visual form eventually. But right now we're just going to have, the, I'm just going to read them. So the question really is, because we want to get to the heart of this, what is dialogue, right? Mm -hmm. So in the most literal sense, dialogue is thought spoken out loud. So in English language fiction, we notate that by using our quotation marks to bookend any words that are spoken audibly. But really, beyond the literal meaning and the practical application of quotation marks, what is dialogue? Someone speaking to themselves fits the technical description of thoughts out loud, but that's not dialogue. And one person speaking gibberish to another also technically fits that description. You know, we'd have to put quotation marks around it. But that's not really dialogue either. So the first thing that we want to keep in mind when it comes to dialogue in fiction is that in its deeper sense, 
Dialogue is verbal, audible communication between two or more people. It's communication, right? Humans, we're social animals. And with rare exception, most of us are genetically wired to crave connection with other humans. And in fact, that need for connection with other humans is so fundamental to our nature that babies who are denied it, they'll die or they'll fail to neurologically develop. And adults who are placed in, for example, solitary confinement, they'll start to experience psychosis and the brain itself actually starts to shrink. It atrophies. So in real life, when it comes to dialogue, it's common for people to socialize for no other purpose than socialization. Right? So there might be some kind of activity at hand, drinking, cooking, whatever, you know, at the at get-togethers or whatever. But they are ultimately social interactions that have no survival purpose whatsoever or needs purpose whatsoever. It's connection, right? Human connection. So because of this, in real life, it's incredibly common for verbal, audible communication to have no actual purpose other than as a socialization mechanism. We talk, we tell stories, we argue politics, we gossip, we catch up, and it's done without any agenda or any specific purpose. So the second thing we need to keep in mind is that in fiction, for dialogue for no particular purpose never happens, or at least it shouldn't. All dialogue in fiction must have a purpose. And this creates a paradox. Because the third thing we have to keep in mind is that dialogue is character. And for dialogue in fiction to feel real and authentic, it has to approximate the way dialogue works in real life. And dialogue is social. There is connection. There's interchange. There's there's so much more than just the words being spoken that goes on in real life dialogue. And I believe that it's within that paradox that most people, most authors are going to struggle with dialogue. And I think that's where your struggle is coming from, too. The technical aspects of dialogue are pretty easy to hack. Once we've learned them, we've learned them, you know, searching for our commas after said, things like that, that we can hack them. It's easy. But writing good dialogue is more than the technical know-how. You can create technically perfect sentences and still have those scenes fall flat if you're not able to juggle between what dialogue in fiction is and what dialogue in fiction needs to feel like. So dialogue in fiction essentially has two purposes. One, to establish and reveal character. And two, to inform the reader slash add new information slash drive the plot forward. And the goal as an author is to get as much of your dialogue to serve both purposes at the same time. And why? Why both purposes? Well, one, too much establishing and revealing character without informing the reader or adding new information or driving the plot forward is boring. It starts to feel like navel gazing. Readers will start to skip ahead looking for the story. But two, informing the reader, adding new information, driving the plot forward without establishing care or revealing character at the same time feels heavy-handed, stilted, forced, and contrived. And in your case, I think that what you're ending up with is the establishing new information, driving the plot forward without actually 
letting the characters be characters and approximate that approximate that real life social interaction that goes on when people are having dialogue or communicating. Does that help at all? Yes, um, but <laughs> it would be, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of at a loss here because we're not talking, you know, we don't have this up on the screen where we can show examples and things like that. And right. I know that's what we're going to get to next week, which will be great. And yes, I totally get what you're, what you're saying. And I just have to assume that you're right because you're always right about this no, stuff, no, no, especially no. when it comes to my my writing. So, I, you so, know, I, I I have having gone through this before with you, I'll look at stuff and I'll get this rapid heartbeat thing and the denial bargaining stuff that we all go through. And then I'll go, oh, man, that's a lot better. And then I'll try and figure out why it's a lot better, or you will have already explained to me why you're doing that and, and why it's going to be a lot better. And that's why I'm so looking forward to these next few episodes, uh, to see it specifically, and not just for me, but for everybody who struggles with dialogue. And I read a lot, and a lot of people struggle with dialogue. So next week, that's, that's going to be my you know, goal I have to now lay this all out visually to explain it all. I've already done the the hard work of fixing it, but I need to make it clear. And so next week I'm going to lay it out side by side or, you know, do it how we do it and break it down. I know it's really hard to grasp concepts like these when it's um, vague and not specific and you don't have a chance to see what's actually being described. Can you give but, us or can you give us like a high level example like not maybe not something specific but just a high level example that's similar to something that well what what I can do here cuz this is going to relate to the material that's coming is sort of explain where this is coming from in as it relates to the scene we're we're going to look at okay so in the scene it's it's the first chapter but it's like midway through a almost 5000 word chapter and we're going to be seeing a character for the first time. So the main character's name is Reggie, and he is paying a visit to a woman who is an, an art appraiser, high-end high art appraiser. And we know, me and Steve know from the story, that she plays a role moving forward. And we're, we're seeing her for the first time. And her purpose in this story, and this is where we will get into what dialogue is meant to do. It's meant to establish and reveal character, and it's also meant to inform the reader and move the plot forward. So this is the first time that we're seeing this character in the scene. And we know that she's going to play a role in the story moving forward. And her purpose in the story is multiple. One, she's going to be a—I don't know what we would say love interest, but some a woman that the that Reggie's he likes her. Let's just say he likes her. Okay. Two, a possible red herring, or three, a culprit remains to be seen. Um, she also is an expert in this this area that the character is not. So she, her goal, her role here is informing the reader to give a basis of 
what he's dealing with and what he's trying to uncover. So she has she needs to play all those multiple roles. And the way the scene is originally written, we have no sense at all of who she is. We enter her home, but we don't know what it looks like. She answers questions that are directly asked of her, but doesn't have any personality at all. The little that we see of her personality comes out because of Reggie's observations, but in his uh, original iteration, his observations are quite hormone-driven. So we don't actually see her as a person so much as an object of his attention, which might sort of kind of work with a little bit of tweaking for an inconsequential character who doesn't really show up again in the story and is just someone that the main character goes to get information from. But when you have a main character who's going to be um, looping through the story as it goes and who's going to be playing multiple roles, we need to know who this character is. And in this scene, dialogue is our way of bringing her character to life. So it doesn't take a lot, but it takes some. And so as we'll see, as we, we have the before and after of what we're working with, my whole goal in working with that material is to bring her character to life and to create a more social, fluid, give and take with the conversation to make it playful rather than in, inter, interrogate, <laughs> that, rather than an interrogation. <laughs> that thing that I always do with my dialogue. It wasn't as bad in this one, but it just didn't have it didn't have that social interaction. Like as humans, we don't just unless you're a, de a detective wearing, you know, who's got that kind of authority and you're all business and you're just there to basically grill someone on what they know, which is appropriate for that type of story to to have that type of dialogue going on, that type of interaction elsewhere is going to feel out of place because it's going to feel like somebody doing an, an interrogation or, you know, what, what, when were you on such, such night? Not that that's part of this piece. Um, okay. Now so, this is interesting. I, 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 I don't mean to interrupt your flow, but I worked hard to tone that down. So what you're saying is that I did not accomplish that goal at all. No, you got partway there, okay. for sure. Like, this iteration is so much better than when we had our previous conversations. But it still has this very, well, what about this? What about that? And it doesn't, here, so here you have this guy who clearly is smitten by this woman, but all he does is just ask these pointed, some somewhat pointed questions without any interplay or you know, the human, the humanness that goes into dialogue when somebody's taken with somebody or getting to know somebody for the first time, trying to decide where they fit into this whole thing. And so the, the words themselves that, that were spoken, some of it was fine with just a little tiny bit of tweaking, 
but there needed to be some buffering between them to to sort of fill it out, kind of like playing Tetris, you know, where you got to just fit. You can't just have all the same shape. It doesn't work, right? You got to fit stuff in. And it's a little bit like we showed in the previous tutorial where sentences can be like Lego blocks and you can move them around. So we're going to see it. We're going to see it in, in real life. And as with everything, I have to give my disclaimer that just because I did it this way doesn't mean it's the only way to do it. This is me. This is how I work. But it's an, an example that will allow people who might be struggling with characterization in dialogue and such, how these pieces can fit together. So does that give a little bit of sense of what we're going to be working with? Yes, I think it does. And can I just get something out of the way for the listeners so that we, we don't have to do this all the way through? And that's that you can, since it's just you and me... <laughs> You don't have to give all the disclaimers. You can just you can just move to. on. I mean, I'm you a you've dis person. you've disclaimered enough in in this episode. <laughs> you don't have to do more disclaimers. If you hear me gasp, you can just pause and wait for me to gather myself and move on. But you don't you don't have to give disclaimers. I promise not to hate you, and you promise not to mock me. And w everything is good. I'm not. I'm definitely not. You know, I. I, I know, just, and I. I just. You know, I know that when you're doing this with people with whom you've only had email communication, and in in some instances very little of it, you you really try hard not. I, you know, if you listen all the time, if you listen to the Hack the Craft episodes, okay, you know what I'm but, talking about. But, but you don't but, have to do that. We can skip over that. But look, for this. Okay. I recently um, sent out copies of Liar's Legacy to beta readers um, who I know love me. I know they love me because they are patrons who are willing to, they love me so much that they are patrons at the $23 a month level. That is serious freaking love there. <laughs> yeah. And and so I know logically that everything that comes back from those beta readers is only because they love me and they're trying to provide they're trying to be helpful. They're trying to provide helpful feedback and and I've asked them for it, right? I'm like this is what I need to know, you know, all these things. And I, and I sent this long list that goes with them, you know, point these out. I need to know about them. So they're doing what I asked. They're doing it with utmost love. And I still have to, like, <laughs> open the email and just kind of peek at it and shut it real quick because it's devastating. Even to me, I, I know I'm freaking good at what I do. And it's still not enough to stop me from just, like, pit of my stomach. Oh my God, this sucks so bad. I, I can't, I have to look at it sideways before I, okay, wait, maybe that feedback is not okay. That fine. That's not so bad. So if it's like that for me, how much more so for everyone else? Well, in my case, I will have had a week to absorb all of this stuff <laughs> by the time we do this again. Yes. So I'm just saying, you don't, you don't have to, um, Disclaimer yourself to death on my okay. part. 
understood. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited about this. I I can't wait to see how it goes. And and really, I mean, from a listener perspective, this is almost a cliffhanger kind of thing. Can she stop herself from doing all the disclaimers? <laughs> More so, can she actually follow through and deliver next week based on all the hype of this week? Good point. And how will Steve react when he sees something that causes him to gasp? Well, that's where we're getting the popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is going to be fun. And we will have video next week. So you all know what that means. That's uh, Taylor's Patreon page. So... We'll have the links to that when we do that. This is an audio-only episode and just sort of a high-level overview of everything that's going on. We didn't do any chit-chat this time, and you know we're kind of at the end of what we're doing, but I, I just want to let you know, Taylor, that I'm on my way to New York next week going to Book Expo, uh, which I went to last year, and it's super fun. I only got to spend like 15 minutes inside Book Expo last year oh because I was so busy, and this year I've got like a three-hour block inside Book Expo to wander around, wow. so I'm excited about that. So there's probably, eight... Did you, I hope you're taking an extra suitcase, because you know you're going to bring a lot of books home, and probably giveaway books, like, you know, arcs and everything else. Well, this is not really that kind of a show. It's, okay. It's more... This is more an industry show. So there, there will be, like, there will be like signing tables and authors and things like that. And there are a few authors that are there, but th- this is not like BoucherCon or something like that, where you okay. just go to see the authors and, and hear their stories and, and learn but about are, craft. This is more are, about setting up rights deals in Europe okay, or something okay. like that. Because I know like at some of these book things, like publishers are, are trying to promote their authors. And so they're giving away a lot of stuff to other book buyers and uh, you know, other rights. Like if, if the subrights people are going to be there, then the authors, I mean, then the publishers are going to want subrights people to read these books, that type of stuff, you know. I know there will be places where they're, where they're doing that, but the little bit that I wandered through last year, I didn't really see many books. I, okay. I just saw like people. And that's, that's what I'm excited about. I'm really excited about the audio stuff. Um, there's a full day of the audio conference, the Audio Publishers Association Conference, a.k.a. APAC, is on Wednesday, which is the same day that Book Expo starts. And Thursday is the Book Expo day for me, and then a little bit on Friday. And then so flying home. So I'm excited. Your assignment in all of this is as you're mingling with people, to be aware of the dialogue in the social and the socialization. <laughs> going on and and how that dialogue interplay works with body language and strangers meeting each other for the first time in business settings and stuff and see how that affects the way that you think about dialogue on the page okay i will take that assignment on okay cool all right so we will be back again next tuesday thank you guys for listening And uh, thanks for supporting Taylor on Patreon. And we look forward to being back with you next week. Keep your fingers crossed for me, guys. I have set the bar so high for myself. We'll see what happens. (laughs) 